0: Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the privilege that we have to live our lives based on that truth. Holy Spirit, we thank you for direction and utterance today, and Father, I thank you for drawing from my heart the things that you would have me to say to the people, but more importantly, Father, I thank you for speaking directly to each and every one of us. We bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the life of God within us. We bless your holy name, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Well, you can turn in your Bibles if you'd like to First Chronicles chapter 12. We're going to start with a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, just because I don't know how to start a service without having to text scripture. Two years ago, 2016, we were facing what seemed to be, at least in, in my opinion, I'm, I, let me say right up front, I'm not a prophet. I'm not one to predict the future, but I had pretty well accepted what I thought was to be the fact that we were going to elect Hillary Clinton as president of the United States. There are, (laughs) lock her up. That's later in the service. I, um, I, it certainly wasn't anything that the Lord had spoken to me about one way or the other. And I never claimed to have any insight one, one way or the other. But I, quite frankly, just bought into everything that the media was telling us and so forth. And then within a couple of days, one of the most supernatural things that I've ever witnessed in our country, took place with the election of Donald Trump as president. Now the Bible says, in Haggai chapter 2, talking about the glory of God, God said, I'll shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. The desire of all nations coming is a reference to what Paul talked about to the Galatians where he talked about how that the earth groaneth and travaileth until the appearance of the sons of God. In other words, just as man was put under a curse when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was a curse that came upon the earth. And the earth is rebelled against that curse. The, The earth was not made, was not created to be under a curse. And certainly, and I don't know the extent of this, but certainly physical laws specifically laws of physics, changed when the curse came upon the earth. And the earth, (coughs) I I hesitate to give it a a personality, but the Bible talks about it this way. The Bible says the earth groaneth and travaileth until the appearance of the sons of God. Now the appearance of the sons of God can't be just Jesus' resurrection and the eternal life that's been made available to us because the earth is still groaning. So where the Bible talks about the appearance of the sons of God, it's talking about Jesus returning for the church. And one of the things that God said would bring that about or would take place in those last days is the shaking of all nations. Well, folks, we're witnessing the shaking of all nations in a variety of ways. I I don't pretend that this is the, the fullest extent or pretend to know that this is the fullest extent that it will take place. But for the last two years, half the country has collectively lost its mind. (laughs) Half the country has been shaken to the core. And we see what the result is. Threats of violence, organized violence in the streets, promises of more violence if the left does not win this election on Tuesday. And that's just nuts. The will of the people doesn't seem to be a concern unless the will of the people is in line with what the left wants. Now, I'm not trying to paint all the left, all Democrats with a broad brush. But I truly have to tell you with all sincerity, I don't know how Christians vote for the Democratic Party. They do. And many feel like they're doing God's work when they do it. But knowing what the the left stands for, seeing from the Bible examples that the Bible gives us about how the devil works and influences people and uses people, and seeing that the fruit of the things that are taking place uh, from the left in this country is identical to what the devil does and the way he does it. How do, you, how do you sign on for that? I just don't know. The 2016 election was a real eye-opener to me and for me in a lot of ways. One of the things that um, surprised me is that after the election was over and Trump had been declared the, the winner... during times of prayer, I just asked the Lord flat out, what is going on? And the only thing that he said to me about it, the only thing he said to me about it over the last two years, and again, I I don't claim to be a prophet. I'm not the first to know. I'm not in a position. I'm not anointed to predict the future or reveal the future other than what the Bible shows us and what the Lord says. But one of the things the Lord told me, and he asked He posed it to me as a question, which kind of embarrassed me. But he said this, when I was asking him what was going on and what was next and so forth, he said, well, haven't you been praying for two years? Or I'm sorry, haven't you been praying for eight years? See, in the fulfillment of the the Bible instructions to pray for kings and those that are in authority, with the ones that were in authority, President Obama and his administration, I had to do all that praying in tongues. Sorry, that's just the way it is. And so therefore, what I realized the Lord was telling me is that I'd been praying a lot of things. And I'm not just talking about me as an individual, but a lot of people in the same position. That were the root cause and the, and the reason why things changed as they did. One of the things the Lord witnessed to me about some time ago, many years ago, is that scripture over in 1 Timothy 2, where it says to pray for kings and those that are in authority. And I was trying to pray for people that I knew were not open to the influence of God. And so I felt, emotionally, I felt like my prayers were wasted. And the Lord asked me a question. He said, who are you praying for? I said, well, I'm praying for the president. I'm praying for the cabinet and elected officials and so forth. And he said this, and he said it just the way, he's kind of smart aleck with me because I'm a smart aleck myself. (laughs) God always deals with people and talks with people the way, according to the way they are. And so when I answered that, I was praying for the, the president and so forth, elected officials. He, he said this. He said, hmm, I always thought America was set up so that the people had authority. Well, that changed everything I had ever thought about praying for leaders. As you well, can well imagine, that spurred me on with a new desire and new incentive to pray. But still, the the 2016 elections surprised me, floored me. Never been so happily, never been so willing to admit that I was wrong, thrilled that I was wrong. And a lot of things have happened over the last couple of years. But there are a lot more things that that need to happen in the years upcoming. The 2016 election was difficult for me because it was the first time that we lost church people over politics, at least first time I know of. And there were not a lot of people, but a couple of families that were really, really dear to me, still are, haven't had any contact with them in well, two years. But it's the first time that I've ever been made aware that someone was leaving our church because of the comments that I made concerning politics. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, preachers shouldn't get into politics. They ought to just preach the word and leave politics alone. Well, folks, I'm willing to stack up my preaching of the word against anybody, anywhere, anytime. This is not a situation where I'm abandoning the word in any way whatsoever. And truly... I know people that disagree with me politically would have a hard time with this statement or maybe even claim the same truth for themselves. But truly I have endeavored and do endeavor to develop my political beliefs based on what the Bible says. I'm not going to whitewash what one party does even if I support the party if it's unscriptural. I believe Republicans that support abortion are wrong. And I'd never support them. See, that, that one position alone disqualifies me from going with the Democratic Party. Now, I know people have a lot of excuses about thou shalt not kill. Do you believe in capital punishment? How could you believe in capital punishment and not believe in abortion or accept abortion? Well, folks, the answer to that is real simple. The Scripture does not say in the Old Testament, King James translation translates it this way, but the commandment is not thou shalt not kill. The commandment is thou shalt not murder. And murder is defined as the shedding of innocent blood. Well, you can't get more innocent blood than an unborn baby. But then capital punishment deals with something totally different. Capital punishment is and should be reserved for those that have been proven guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. Or as the justice system calls it without a reason, uh, not a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt. So there's a lot of reasons why I take the position that I do because we're supposed to live in this world. And remember, and we've been hammering on this for a long time now, remember the original reason, purpose, for God creating man in Genesis 1.26 is for man to have authority. But I know that politics divides people. It's divided some from our church family. It divides natural families. Even my own family is affected. My grandfather is going to vote Democrat. And that's a shame because he would never have done that while he was alive. (laughs) But even at that, we joke, we laugh. We know there's voter fraud. We know there's voting by non-citizens and we are supposed to just overcome that, which we must do. First Chronicles chapter 12 tells the story of David's inauguration or events surrounding David's inauguration as the king of Israel. The first part of the chapter identifies David's mighty men. It specifically names who these people were and gives some information about them and how God brought them to David And these guys were specifically equipped for war. Whatever God has planned for his people, he always equips us. In David's case, David's purpose was to fight for the kingdom. So God equipped him with fighters. And there is a time to fight. Our fight's a different fight than his. But there is a time to fight. And so it tells us about these mighty men of valor. You know what? I'm going I'm to read a scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 2 first. Because it tells us who these mighty men, David's mighty men were. After David had to flee from Saul, it says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, And he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. That's quite an army. People that were broken down, discontented, in debt. Anything wrong with you, come follow David. But these men were turned into the finest warriors that the earth had ever seen. So... Of the people that came, the tribes of Israel that came to David, pledging support. It says of one group of people, First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Now I want you to notice that, and, and, and this is such a unique scripture because it identifies that there was a, a group of people, a family, descendants of Issachar, that had understanding of the times that, that other people didn't seem to have. Now, it didn't say they were prophets. It didn't say there was some special gift of God upon them for this purpose. It said they understood the times. Folks, as Christians, as believers... Living in what I believe are the last days is certainly um, what the Bible tells us about the last days fits our time. But as living in the last days, I believe we need to have, I believe we have to have an understanding of the times. I wish it were church wide. but clearly it's not. Churchwide being the family of God all over the earth. Wouldn't it be great... <clears throat> If every believer had the wisdom to be able to see the difference between right and wrong. Between good and evil. And choose good. Do you realize what a change that would make in our country? What a change it would make in the world. If Christians just lived by the same code, the same values. I don't know, like maybe what the Bible says. And based their lives on that. What a difference it would make. Nowadays, in the days we live in, and and it's certainly shown by the last election, may be shown by this one in a couple of days, too. Certainly, there are Christians that are more political party affiliated than they are God affiliated. For me, that's the reason why I have to use the Bible as my guide for what I believe politically. Because it always has to come back to what does God say? What does God say? I was doing some thinking here over the last couple of days about the history of our country, how things have progressed just in my lifetime. Richard Nixon is the first president I really remember. And of course the Watergate scandal and all the things surrounding that. The press was considering themselves to be doing the Lord's work to unveil and uncover, to expose the the things that were going on in the Nixon administration which were wrong and you remember that he chose to resign in, instead of facing impeachment charges so that brought us President Ford only thing I really remember about President Ford is Chevy Chase playing him on Saturday Night Live always stumbling around falling and doing stuff like that but even that was good natured there wasn't the hatred behind it that there would be today Then that brought us Jimmy Carter. Carter's always been a mystery to me. How can a man that knows and loves God be so stupid? I don't question his love for God. But for the life of me, I don't understand that guy. Well, that brought us Reagan. Reagan was different than anything we had seen in a long, long time. He was a man of principle. He loved God. He loved God a lot more after the attempted assassination in his life. But that was a man that stared down the Soviet Union and didn't blink in one. He did a lot of things for our country that was good economically. His tax policies or tax reduction and the things that he implemented for the economy were almost exactly what John F. Kennedy's were in 1960. John F. Kennedy, who planned or proposed tax cuts and some of the economic things that he did, couldn't get in the Democratic Party today. There's nobody in any position of leadership that would propose what he proposed. He was trying to do good for the country. Doesn't mean he was a good guy, but he was trying to do good for the country. So here comes Reagan, and there were some bumps in the road, but Reagan's policies and the actions that he took for the benefit of the country established a a series or a period of time of prosperity that the country hadn't seen, maybe ever. He was followed by Bush 41, the father, who was fine until he did the read my lips thing. Read my lips, no new taxes, and then he raised taxes. So that did him in and brought us Bill Clinton. What a wonderful time that was. He had the benefit, as did President Bush before him, He had the benefit of the tax policy, uh, tax and uh, economic policies of the Reagan administration that still provided prosperity for the country. And Reagan lost, I'm sorry, and during the Clinton years, the midterm elections brought the contract with America. It was a Republican landslide that moderated Clinton's economic policies, and so the prosperity that began with Reagan, continued. But he changed the social fabric of our country maybe more than anybody else before. With the sex in the Oval Office uh, situation, the Monica Lewinsky thing, it changed a lot about society. Clinton's Campaign circles kept saying over and over again, Is the economy stupid? But the damage done to society by a man of no character, we're still feeling the effects today. So then that brought George W. Bush, oh, how he was hated. Remember the media hating him, doing everything they could to stand in his way. But still there was some kind of sense of dignity or respect. With 9-11 coming early on in his first term. And all the tragedy associated with that and the Iraq war and the weapons of mass destruction that we knew that Iraq had which nobody disputes there's a lot of talk was a lot of talk about where are the the WMDs well we knew that they once had them and then when they couldn't be discovered they had to do something with them somehow but it's without dispute even though a lot of people won't admit it today we knew they had weapons of mass destruction we didn't find them there are different schools of thought about what happened to them But we knew they were there. But I remember during the last years of the George W. Bush administration, Nancy Pelosi would get on camera every day and ask the question, where are the jobs, Mr. President? Where are the jobs? Well, we're facing record employment. More people are employed now than ever have been. In the history of the country, it's the lowest unemployment rate for blacks and Hispanics ever. I don't hear Ms. Pelosi asking about the jobs. Maybe, you decide for yourself, but maybe she was just using the jobs thing as a club to bash the presidents that she hated. Maybe it really wasn't in her, on her radar. About people that need work. Well after President Bush. George W. Bush. Then we had Obama. That was a difficult time for me. It was a difficult time for the country. Because it seems. That so many of the institutions. That we desperately need and had trusted regarding the welfare of our country were weaponized politically. Those were tough days. We saw little or no recovery economically from the recession that began during the last years of the Bush administration, George W. Bush. And people in positions of authority misused their authority in such tremendous ways, all for political gain or the preservation of political power. Well, that brought us to President Trump. He's not a perfect guy. Is that the understatement of the world? (laughs) He may represent a lot of things that you or I would rather not have in elected officials or leaders. His ego may be too big. His tongue may be too quick and too sharp. But anybody that doesn't see the, the good that he's done for the country in the last two years is simply uninformed or dishonest. I did some, a little bit of research because I really didn't remember but I went back online and found the Democratic Party website to see what their platform was. Last time they put out a platform, printed out a platform or published a platform was in 2016 or for the 2016 election. And so many of the things that they said they would do economically Trump has done. But the thing that seems to make this day and time different than ever before is the willful misrepresentation or just flat out in denial of the things that are really going on in this country. Anything that makes President Trump look good or looks like a success for him is either ignored or spun. And in place, stories are printed, published, planted, in such a way that it's hard to know who's telling the truth. I know there are hot button issues for people and I don't in any way wanna step on your hot button issue unless I've got a biblical foundation for it. Now folks, if I've got the Bible for it, I'll stomp all over anything, anybody, anything that somebody believes. Because the Bible doesn't change. But something I'm not sure about, I'm going to stay away from. Something that I just am inclined to is my opinion and has no place in a discussion in church. But the things that are going on in our country right now are setting the stage for exactly what the Bible says would happen in the last days. Paul told us about By the Holy Ghost, Paul told us about things that would happen in the church and things that would happen in the world. Look with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's talk about the church first. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Paul said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That word expressly is interesting because it means distinctly. It means to be outspoken. It means definitively. Paul is saying the Holy Ghost says clearly what's going to happen in the last days. Well, how's he saying it? Who's he saying it to? Paul's got to be talking about the Holy Ghost keeps telling me over and over and over again about the last days. Thank God he did. We wouldn't have any information about what to look for. Except the Holy Ghost tell Paul, who committed it to writing, and the Holy Ghost saved it for us. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. You can't depart from the faith unless you were once in the faith. So he's got to be talking about the church. So he said, one of the things that's going to earmark the last days is departing from the faith. Folks, that's what I was referring to a minute ago. Where some Christians are more politically affiliated than they are joined with God. At least in the way they live their lives. I'm not talking about whether, the, whether or not they're saved. I'm not talking about forfeiting their eternal life. And the Bible doesn't say that these people lose their salvation. It says they depart from the faith. That means they depart from the teaching of the word. They choose other things to devote themselves to maybe other things to believe rather than the truth of the word. See, this isn't talking about some kind of condition where masses of people lose their salvation. It's talking about decisions that people make, apparently lots of people will make, of what to live their lives on. Folks, I would recommend that you don't live your lives according to politics or anything else for that matter, but rather the word of God. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. The word seducing just just means misleading, misleading spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, the doctrines of devils could be two things. It could be doctrines about the devil or doctrines from the devil. There was, um, well, almost 30 years ago now, teaching that swept through the church about the devil and evil spirits and so forth. There were several books that were written and published and became pretty widely known throughout the body of Christ here in this country that created in people's minds an open door for the devil to take a lot of them away, to mislead a lot of people. Well, that would be doctrines not only from the devil, but doctrines about the devil. And the fact is the Bible just doesn't tell us a lot about the devil. I don't know why people want to fill in the blanks when God specifically left them blank But the reality is, the majority of the information we have about the devil, he's defeated. You have authority over him, so live your life according to the word. That's a good basic doctrine of the devil. He's defeated. He's not your problem. Take authority over him in the name of Jesus and move on. Not study the 32 classes of demon spirits. If he did have 32 classes of demon spirits, they're all defeated. So what really is the point? So the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is, don't you? Of course we know what lies are. But hypocrisy is doing what you accuse other people of doing. Have you noticed a real rise of that kind of accusation, that kind of position in the world? looks to me like that's becoming prevalent. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That means ignoring your conscience to the point where you don't recognize it anymore. Now your conscience is the voice of your spirit. You can ignore the voice of your spirit. You can ignore that voice or impression on the inside of you. That will always lead you to the word and will always lead you to walk in love. You can ignore that to the point where you don't hear it anymore. Doesn't mean he's not speaking. I think the voice of your spirit always speaks to you. But if you ignore it enough, then you don't even recognize that it's there anymore. Forbidding to marry. So marital issues have become a hot button at the end. And commanding to abstain from meats, dietary stuff like buying store-bought gravy. (laughs) Forbidding to marry, that is a sin. I just need to let you know right now, buying store-bought gravy, that is a sin. (laughs) Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. So dietary things are going to become an issue for some in the last days too. Which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So notice what Paul identifies. The departing from the faith. To be attached to. Seducing Spirits doctrines of devils lies and hypocrisy not listening to your conscience marital issues forbidding to marry dietary issues commanding you to abstain from meats I want you to notice that politics isn't in the list so politics isn't the only thing that people can get distracted by and the answer for all of these things the answer to prevent All of these things is to stay in the faith. Stick with the doctrines of the Bible. Now, I want to ask you a question. And I don't mean this to be criticism. I'm not trying to be critical of anybody. But how much doctrine is really being taught in the church today? If we explain away things pertaining to the power of God and the things that took place in Jesus' ministry. Like, like one thing that I'm, I guess I'm most familiar with is the idea that some have that healing has been done away with or healing was just for Jesus' day and the apostles. Well, you can't teach that doctrine if you don't believe it. And it seems to me that the devil works in this very same way in any and every subject. If he can get one generation to turn its back on a certain doctrine of Scripture, then the next generation has lost it. Because, see, we only know what we've experienced. We only know the doctrine that we were taught. Don't get me wrong, it's there in the Word, and there have been times where things have been lost and recovered by the work of the Holy Ghost through the Scriptures. But we only know what we know. So if the devil can wipe out any part of church doctrine by consensus in a generation, the, gen- the next generation is lost without it, or it's lost unto them. Do you understand what I mean? That's why it's so important to take heed to what the Bible says. And, and we have to be careful that we don't just pick our favorite doctrines and stay on those. but instead we should be well-rounded in all the good church doctrine, Bible doctrine. Now I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter three. Now Paul's gonna talk about the condition of the world. Verse one, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves notice he's not talking about the church he's just talking about men or mankind in general now this word perilous at its root means strength reducing so it seems to indicate to us that the the enemy our enemy the devil not the democrats and not the baptist not the methodist but our enemy the devil is attempting to use public societal circumstances to reduce your strength. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Now, let me interject this too before we go any further than the list. I don't plan to take each one of these words and talk about what they mean or where they're, how they apply or, or whatever. But I want you to, to consider something. Did Paul not experience in his day people that were lovers of their own selves? Did Paul not experience in his day people that were covetous or boasters or proud, unthankful, unholy? See, Paul's not talking about some new condition that all of a sudden appears. he's not talking about the, the mankind doing real, really really good until right at the end and then all of a sudden everybody loses their mind and becomes this these develop these characteristics that are described well if paul's experience that if he's experienced people that are lovers of their own selves and boasters and proud and the others then what's he talking about it being a sign of the end? He has to be talking about the same characteristics that mankind has always had, but magnified or measured in such an increased magnitude that it becomes what men are known by. Look at how things have escalated just in the last few years. Look how things that are of the devil, evil operations of man, that people don't even try to cover up anymore. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, a lot of people try to turn this to mean homosexuality. And in, in one sense, it could be included in that. But without natural affection really means the breakdown of the family. Lost of familial love. Without natural affection, truce break, breakers, false accusers. Might want to underline that one. Look how quickly people are willing to tell lies to destroy somebody's life. We saw that in this Kavanaugh Supreme Court thing, didn't we? Now it seems some of the people that accused him are coming out saying and admitting that they made it up. Now now think about this for a minute. I I think it's despicable, I assume, that you would think the same thing. But consider this for a second. Look how willingly some people seem to be to destroy somebody politically. If that's not the face of evil, what is? Without natural affection, truce breakers false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, lock her up. And not just her. All the others that have leaked classified information or mishandled classified information. Folks, there are people in jail serving decade sentences, decade-long sentences for doing less than what people... It doesn't even take an investigation to identify what they've done. James Comey admitted that he leaked classified information to the press. Is anything done about that? Seems to be two systems of justice in our country. One for the ordinary people and the other for the connected. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. My ears always perk up when I hear somebody talking about their, well, the way they say it, their faith. I am particularly interested in some comments that Mrs. Clinton has made even recently about her Methodist upbringing being the foundation for the way she lives her life. Now if I was a Methodist if I had anything to do with the Methodist denomination Assuming that they've considered that to be a foolish statement. i do everything I could to take away her Methodist upbringing. At least any record of it. But that's what these people do. That's what people in positions of, of leadership, political leadership, who know they need your vote. This is how they throw a bone to the Christian community I guess what a sad state of affairs even sadder are the Christians in this modern-day world they can't tell what's going on they won't allow themselves to see having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away for of this sort are they which creep into houses And lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janice and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. That's the phrase I want you to see. So do these also resist the truth. Everything that he identifies about the characteristics of the last day mankind, last day society, all come down to this. They resist the truth. Folks, there is only one truth, and that's the Word of God. It never changes. It never fails. It will never be done away with. When the American political system is gone and those involved in it stand before the Lord, God's Word still will prevail. It's the only foundation we should choose to live our lives on. And to the degree that the word speaks to the conditions that we see going on around us, whether politically or socially or otherwise, to the degree that the word applies, everything that we do, everything that we say, everything we believe, every action that we take should be, must be, taken based on the truth of the word. It's the only thing that lasts. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further. Notice what Paul's saying. But they shall proceed no further. I believe here he's referencing the fact that the the Antichrist specifically, the devil's work generally, is held in check by the presence of the church on the earth. I believe Paul is telling us by the Holy Ghost they can't go any further than this. That's because we're here. Now folks, if the church as disjointed as it is, as at war with itself as it is, with all the disagreements, doctrinal and otherwise, among the church body, just in this country, if the presence of that church because the spirit of God is within us if the presence of us as a church keeps the devil from doing the stuff that he's in place to do ready to do, wants to do what could we do if we were working together and I'm not talking about somebody accepting our way of doing things and hooking on with our vision or whatever I'm just talking about what would it be if the church believers here and and around the world really lived according to what the Bible said now, we could all improve on that. I mean, I'm, here I am standing here saying that I plan everything or try to act in every way in my life based on the word. And that's true. But that doesn't mean that I see everything that I ought to see. It doesn't mean I see everything I'm going to see. There's always growth. And people are always going to be at different places. There are always going to be new babies coming into the body of Christ. There are always going to be people that are attaining new levels of maturity. Through believing and acting on the word. All of us are growing. But if we determined, if we committed ourselves, and I mean everybody, not just here in our group, but if everybody committed themselves as a Christian to make the Bible the standard for their lives, can you imagine what the church would do? Can you imagine the healing power of God that would be unleashed on the world? Can you imagine the love of God, the power of the love of God that would affect changes in everybody around us? It's not some hard thing. It's just determining to do the will of God. But they shall proceed no further, Paul said by the Holy Ghost, for their folly... Shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Folks, one of the things that I've been praying specifically over the last few years, certainly the last two, but even before that, is that the devil's agenda would be exposed and that those who willingly have joined themselves to that agenda would come to ruin. I believe we're gonna see more and more and more of that. Folks, you gotta vote. You've got to vote. Now, if you're planning to pull the Democratic Party levers, you don't have to vote. (laughs) But giving you the benefit of the doubt You got to vote. I don't believe, certainly not in my lifetime, maybe not in yours either. I don't believe we've ever faced a more important midterm election than this one. We have to vote. We have to make our voices known. It's a means of the church exercising its authority in the earth. You know the number of Christians that aren't registered to vote just in California would turn the tables. Just the ones that aren't registered. If every Christian was registered to vote in this, in our state, our own state of California, the church could dictate who does what and when. That's just simply a means of exercising our authority. God-given authority. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for an understanding of the times that we live in. We see that these are the last days. We see that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But not us. Because we're building our house on the rock. The truth of your word. So Lord we thank you that as you have revealed yourself to us we thank you for exposing the works of the enemy exposing and revealing the the agenda of Satan himself and Lord we ask that those that willingly have joined themselves to the enemy's agenda would come to ruin Father, we ask that you would influence the hearts of your people, that we would not do what the Pharisees did in Jesus' day, which was co-opt their power, representing the people of God for political power. Let us always be aware, Father that the power of God, the very life of God within us, the Holy Spirit of God is the power and the wisdom and the direction that we seek. Influence your people, Lord, just like you did two years ago. Call your people to arms To defend the country that you established through the hearts and minds of others. Our founding fathers. We ask you to do this, Father, in the precious and holy name of Jesus. In the precious and holy name of Jesus. Can you agree with that prayer? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Keep your eyes open for last day signs, folks. We need to be understanding of the times we live in. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.